Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. On today's show, the duo from It's My Screen Time 2 is back, and we're talking about the Apple Plus original, Loot. If you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman, a woman identifying, a woman in a male-dominated industry, and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes, but you still love pop culture, then Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous Best Friends Club on Patreon is just for you. Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a hyphen member. See you there. Loot premiered on June 24th, 2022 and stars Maya Rudolph, Michaela J. Rodriguez. You also may know her as MJ Rodriguez. Joel Kim Booster, Ron Funches, and Nat Faxon. But before we dive in, let's meet our guests. Deborah and Katie co-host the podcast, It's My Screen Time 2, where they review TV and movie- movies made for kids. Their show is fun and relatable because parents everywhere have been sucked into the vortex of kids' TV, and their podcast makes you feel less alone about hating or loving the entertainment made for children. They were here earlier in the season to talk about Troop Beverly Hills, and I'm thrilled they have come back for loot. Welcome to the show, Katie and Deborah. Hi. Thank you. Happy to be here. We're excited you're back. I feel like, what is this, like the fourth or fifth time you've been here? I think so. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is always fun because then it's like, yay, friends. <laughs> <laughs> totally. We're so psyched to talk about a grown-up show, and we're also a little worried that we don't remember how. So this will be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh gosh, I remember those days when like the only humans you talk to are under fifteen, and you're just like, I need full sentences at some point <laughs> in my life. <laughs> Okay, so let's do a quick summary for those who may not have seen the show or remember the show. And also, friends, remember, we are a spoiler show. So if spoilers happen, it's not my fault. Go get Apple Plus. Watch the show. After divorcing her husband of 20 years, Molly Novak must figure out what to do with her $87 billion settlement. She decides to re-engage with her charitable foundation and reconnect with the real world, finding herself along the way. Which I feel like doesn't do it justice. That summary is from Google and it's just, there's so much more to it than that. But we'll mm-hmm. we'll, let, we'll let it slide, Google. <clears throat> Reviews were anywhere from praise to criticism for squandering Maya Rudolph's talent. In the June 2022 review from the New York Times, writer Mike Hale had this to say, You can feel a juggling act going on. The show wants to mock Molly's privileged cluelessness. And then also, as her work with the foundation reorients her moral compass or simply shames her to score points for reforming her and for offering facile reflections on class and gender. Its attempt to make that straddle is half-hearted. However, one indication of the show's divided consciousness is the strange way in which no one comments on Molly's wealth or acts strangely around her, unless there's a particular message being delivered, end quote. 
He also later on praises casting Maya Rudolph in this role. And he states that episode one is a caricature of extreme wealth. So I thought we'd just dive in and talk about what we thought of loot and whether or not we liked it. So take it away, ladies. (laughs) Deborah, you should start because you were onto the show well before I was, so. Oh, I loved it. I am a Maya Rudolph stan, however, so I think I would like whatever she's in, but I thought this was super fun to watch. Like, it's very, it's like reading a Vogue magazine. Like, it's glossy and beautiful and escapist Mm -hmm. and, um, And also I like a good workplace comedy. Like it's fun to see how the relationships of the people in the office develop. I liked that even more than whatever growth that uh, Maya Rudolph's character goes through. Yeah. Agreed. To me, workplace comedy hits the nail on the head. It felt more like that than it did any sort of commentary on extreme wealth. It was like, a bunch of good people take a clueless dum-dum under their wings and teach her how to behave like a human. Yeah. Uh, but the wealth was mostly secondary to that, except in little bits, like in mm-hmm. jokey moments, like when they were summoning the personal chef, David Shaw. Oh my gosh, that was hilarious. <laughs> and he's just like, you guys, I have a successful restaurant. One of, like his, He felt like, what am I doing here? I have a successful mm-hmm. restaurant. What is happening? <laughs> I agree with both of you. I loved the show. Maya Rudolph is like one of the best, I feel like, comedic actresses of our time. You know, I fell in love with her when she was on SNL. Um, I thought she did a really good job there. And I was actually really sad when she left. But then all the things she's done since SNL, I haven't been disappointed. So maybe I'm with you on that, Deborah. Like she could do anything. And I don't know if I would criticize her. Um, and I loved how she was kind of like, what do I do now? Let's Mm -hmm. go, let's go do, do gooder stuff. And then how they were just like, no, no friend. Like, (laughs) that's not how the world works for everybody. And she's like, let's give these luxury gift baskets to people. And she's like, no, bad idea. So I, I appreciate that they made it a workplace comedy. There was some criticism in some of the reviews I found about that because um, An- Andrew Yang, I think, he did Parks and Rec. So, you know, there was criticism of like, doesn't he know how to do anything else? Thought, well, if you know how to do something well, why not? Yeah. There are plenty of, plenty of actors and comedians out there who sort of recycle the same thing over and over and over again. Why can't he? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he found a good angle on it. I thought it was interesting what you said about there being criticism that Maya Rudolph was underutilized. Because if anything, I almost felt like they leaned into her Maya Rudolphness a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. So she would have like these wacky moments of physical comedy, and they would be very funny. But I'm not sure necessarily that they always served the larger story. Such yeah. as it was. Yeah. Are you talking about like the hot wings? Yeah, I guess just every minute we cut away for one of those moments to see Molly acting in some bizarre way that proved she was out of touch with the world. It kind of undercut the arc of the season, which was supposed to be her gaining that kind of Mm self-awareness. But you can't make Maya Rudolph stop being funny, you know, to show that she's more self-possessed. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I get that. 
yeah, um the you brought up the wings deborah that scene really actually did kind of bother me a little bit because i thought you know i just feel like anytime they were like molly you shouldn't like the team was like molly you shouldn't do this it's like if somebody that wealthy whose husband is that high profile like they would have a publicist team they would have a team of people who would be like navigating that for her what your appearances are gonna be so that i felt like was something that was missing but I also could like let it go and still get into the show like I didn't mm-hmm. let it ruin the rest of the episodes for me mm-hmm. but that was there were moments like that where it's just like nope she would have a team of people who would have that under control <laughs> that's exactly. true and they do have like a team of people to show who shows up and gets her ready for events mm-hmm. so what yeah why are they missing the publicity especially what's with Joe what's with- Joel Kim Booster's uh, character doing isn't that his yeah his he's, job? <laughs> right he's supposed to be the navigator between the two like when the roller coaster thing happened at the music park I was like she there would be a whole team ER would be all over that she would not be contacted by anybody directly it would be the head of her team being like Molly we have this problem she wouldn't mm-hmm. be walking into the conference room finding out that her park has a problem mm-hmm. <laughs> but it I mean doesn't really matter at the end of the day that episode still I think worked <laughs> yeah I mean let Maya Rudolph be funny and that's mm-hmm. how you do it I guess by making us suspend our disbelief about the actual legions of help yeah people have behind them yeah yeah I'd always be curious what it would be like to be on someone's PR team like that like how stressful would that be <laughs> oh god yeah RogerEbert.com writer David Moses stated this in his review. Loot struggles with how to frame the rich without making them heroes. They also struggle with finding a way to show that luxury clearly exists around these people, but not to make it a star. So I didn't feel like Molly's wealth was a, like, was a character. Like, I felt like she was, let me see this again. I felt like Molly's wealth was a character part of the cast, but it wasn't like in a leading role. But it could also be all about perception too, right? Like that could just be my perception. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are about the extreme wealth and whether it was mishandled, handled well, well, or something different when in regards to this show. I thought they approached it from sort of a neutral position. It was sort of treated like it was um, a different culture. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. um, she is from a different place than everybody else. And that place is uh, wealth. <laughs> um, I don't know. Like she's not really criticized for having so much money, but they do when she makes those wacky decisions, like to just fly to where do they go? Miami for the day. Oh, uh-huh. And um, they treat it like she is sort of from a foreign country and like doesn't know the customs of the other people in the office a little bit Mm -hmm. that's a really really good comparison I like that a lot yeah I do too because it's not and that's why I kind of thought the 
criticism of how they handled the wealth with felt weird to me because I thought, well, it feels like that's what they're, what you said, Deborah, it was like, here's the world she lives in. And then here's the world everybody else lives in. So let's just take her to, you know, the foreign land. Um, and I thought that was really highlighted too, in the episode where she goes to her cousin's house for oh, yeah. like game night. Mm-hmm. And everyone's kind of like, you've been away. Like that was the attitude was like, you've been away. You don't know how we live anymore. Um, and, you know, you see that a lot when people come home from a different place or whatever. It's like, you don't know how to navigate that. And she desperately tries to like figure out how to um, fit back in with her family, ordering a new table. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she ordered the new card table. I was like, girl, nope, she's going to be mad. Mm-hmm. It's not my original idea. Um, The writer Emily St. John Mandel uses that idea in one of her books. She wrote Mm. Station Eleven and she's wrote this book about a young woman who gets like embroiled in a Ponzi scheme and discovers what it's like to like date a really wealthy person. And she describes it as like just being in a different country (laughs) as everybody else. And they just like float wherever they want in the world and everything's smooth and taken care of. And I feel like that's where Molly is coming from. Yeah. Especially. And I feel like they set that up really well in the first episode with the row. Was it Lamborghinis all in different colors? Like the rainbow (laughs) colors of Lamborghinis and she can't figure out how to drive them because she's probably not driving them herself, you Mm -hmm. know? And then like, here's your boat for your birthday. Like what? I know. Like a super yacht. (laughs) (laughs) Or like her mirror when she gets ready. I was like, that feels like a department store. Like, why are you standing on a pedestal with your 360 mirror? I would be like, no, I don't want that. makes me feel uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) The lighting. Yes. I would love to have that kind of lighting, but not, Mm -hmm. I don't need a 360 mirror. (laughs) Like, does everything fit? I'm good. (laughs) Do you think they were consciously trying to avoid comparisons to Bezos? And that's why they made the wealth so, I don't want to say secondary, but the fact that nobody really commented on it. Mm-hmm. Because See, it was, I thought it, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I thought it was like, I didn't read anything going into it. I thought it was based on Mackenzie Scott. Yeah. That's what I was expecting going in. And so I was wondering if the writers were like, well, we got to make sure, even if that's what brings people in, that they know from the jump that that story is not this story. Yeah. Because like, yeah, I didn't, I knew nothing going in. And then when the first episode happens, I was like, this feels familiar. We just Mm -hmm. saw this happen in real life. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Um, But that's a really good question. I wonder... If you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman, a woman identifying, a woman in a male-dominated industry, and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes, but you still love pop culture, then Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous Best Friends Club on Patreon is just for you. Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a 
member. See you there. We have merch. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to purchase today. Some hoodies and t-shirts are the pop culture staples, but you don't want to miss out on our seasonal collections, whether it's specific to the show or a season. Catch those limited edition styles before they're gone. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to shop and use promo code SHOPPOD to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-H-O-P-P-O-D. Be sure to tag us on social wearing your swag. We're looking for advertising partners. When you support the podcast, you're supporting a woman-owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. Email popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com to get started. One of the quickest and easiest ways to support our show is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sharing with other users why you love this show and reasons to tune in is a simple kindness that will forever go appreciated by Team Pop Culture. It makes me jealous. I'm going to be honest, writing a review is the strongest move because when you write a review, it helps that pesky algorithm tell Apple this show is loved. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for all your support, friend. Do you love to read? Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous hosts a monthly book club that reads books that have been adapted for the screen. We meet on the fourth Sunday of every month via Zoom. The book club is open to anyone, but Patreon pals can vote on our monthly read and have access to our replay. To sign up, hit the link in the show notes. Adam Scott plays John Novak, Molly's husband of 20 years. The relationship ends in divorce when Molly discovers John has been having an affair. And so the internet did do a lot of murmuring about like, oh, this is very remnant of Jeff Bezos and Mackenzie Scott. But like the biggest difference is Mackenzie Scott has been very mindful about how and who her money goes to. And like, she's basically like, here's your money to make the world better but i'm gonna stay out of the details like Mm -hmm. you handle it which is like in the grant giving world is like the dream right so like when molly becomes involved she embarks in some serious blunders and we've kind of talked brought up a couple of them but like were any of them super memorable to you that stand out the gift basket is the one that i can't let go of (laughs) (laughs) That moment in the season finale when she drinks the glass of dirty water. Oh my gosh. I will carry that with me till I die. (laughs) And like the guy's like, I'm not going to drink that. And she's like, but you have to, we have to drink it. We're here for clean water. (laughs) This is terrible, but I've been seeing like clips of the Jackson, Mississippi disaster. And the water looks like the fictional poop water on loot yeah well now i feel bad for laughing well it was a really funny scene it was a hilarious scene and she drinks it all all of it and then she's like she was just gonna take a sip yeah (laughs) she was like we're gonna lean into this like i'm going hard and you're just like but you don't have to Mm -hmm. (laughs) girl don't do it oh my gosh
I thought it was really interesting too how like she stopped kind of hanging out with her like quote friends and then whenever she would run into them she'd have these moments of like huh we are maybe terrible people (laughs) yeah it seems like okay the wealth that she has and like the lifestyle she lived when she was just with her husband as like this pampered housewife made her dumb Mm -hmm. and now that she is like going into this office world she's like shedding all of that like stupidity that Mm -hmm. the money like clouded her vision with um which I kind of liked um because usually we see um wealth like corrupting people like I thought a lot about succession when Mm -mm. I was like thinking about getting ready for this and that's a show where like wealth equals evil and these people are terrible and they um are like destroying the world and poor molly is just kind (laughs) of like a bubble brain i don't know yeah one of the things that struck me in the in the episode when she was getting like the philanthropy award when adam scott shows up again and he's like you think you actually won this award i like basically paid for it for you and she's like excuse me what and Mm -hmm. then he implies that she didn't earn any of the wealth that she received in the divorce settlement and that kind of rings to what some of the internet was saying about Mackenzie and jeff right because people were like how dare she get half his wealth she didn't do anything he did all the hard work very misogynistic tones right and it's like i'm sorry she's the one who had the job with health insurance so he could like tinker away on the computer and create amazon like that's doing something in my opinion um and molly kind of stands i don't remember if she stood up for herself in that moment but she does have a moment where it's like i supported you i helped you walk through all of your brain blocks and all these things and i thought that was a really good tie-in to what the internet was saying about the the amazon divorce because it's so easy to forget like the quote invisible work that wives put into supporting their husbands. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Classic minimization of the non-working parents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the like devaluing of, or like not valuing at all domestic labor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause they, she does make reference to like, uh, his company starting in the garage right like that classic silicon valley trope yeah yeah that and then we like to forget the points where it's like you know somebody's parent was sitting on the board of ibm so that was helpful or like <laughs> you know they inherit the they i don't know whatever all the little things where it's like all these places started in a garage what's stopping you well <laughs> shall I create a list not me personally but you know there's moments like that the other thing that I loved that they did with the show was how they made Ron Funch's character her cousin yes he mm-hmm. was so good mm-hmm. <laughs> I just his relationship him. with Joel Kim Booster was my favorite part of the show mm-hmm. I feel like that was the instance of someone moving out of their money bubble and learning to have a real relationship with a normie and <laughs> they both learn and grow and they become better people through that relationship and I actually kind of think that's what I was missing with Molly mm. but I got it with Nicholas and I got it with Nicholas's relationship with Howard 
Yeah. Yeah. They were the, they are such a good duo. And I love how they show like this male relationship that isn't macho. Mm-hmm. They can't like, you know, um, Kim Booster's character wants to be an actor. Like that was his dream. And, you know, how, you know, Howard's like, so what's stopping you? And like, is very supportive through the whole thing. Like they have like, I felt like they had a relationship that we don't see a lot from men on television. And it was like, they had their ups and downs because when, when um, Kim realizes like, Oh, your girlfriend's trash. <laughs> like she's not good for you. And he's not afraid to say something. And then eventually they come around, you know, there's just this progressions of like, Hey, we're going through growth periods, but like, we're here for each other. And it's not gross. It's not super macho. And it's not like violent in any way. They're just like, I don't know. It's it would be nice to see more male relationships like that on TV that aren't violent and like gross. I keep saying violent and gross because that's like no, what I feel that's like a ex- lot of it. I, is. We everybody knows what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and this was like they were really vulnerable together, yeah. and like they they worked at their relationship, which yes. was really touching. Yes, yes. They did. They broke the stereotype that, you know, women have face-to-face relationships and men have side-by-side relationships Mm -hmm. or they're always supposed to be doing something, watching a football game, playing a video game, whatever. But these men were able to really connect. And I found that in addition to being hilarious, very moving and an important part of the show. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I love that. Um, speaking of characters that I also loved, Arthur. I loved Arthur. So I want to talk about Arthur and Molly for a little bit. Arthur is this sweet guy. He's a total accountant type. Throughout this season, they have this, like, he and Molly have these adorable moments that make this rom-com, me, my my rom-com junkie heart swoon. <laughs> but then Molly gets distracted by Jean-Pierre, a wealthy Frenchman who is mysterious and sexy. Um, Jean-Pierre and Arthur could not be more different. And John Pierre's clearly generational wealth because they place in little bits throughout the whole every episode he's in that like reaffirms like he's had money his whole life his family's had money forever, but the most glaring and this that makes it a very glaring difference between the two like their socioeconomic status. So I want to know, <laughs> did you like either one better, and who would you like better for Molly? <laughs> I know that's such a good question. I go back and forth because I think like the show sets you up to root for Arthur. Yeah. For sure. But Molly could have so much fun with Jean-Pierre drinking wine in that on that patio and like flying all over the world. I that's a tough one. And he makes that comment about how like they're equals because mm-hmm. they both have money. Like we're equals here because we have money. And I was just like yes and I don't know I think she could still drink wine and have fun with Arthur they could just only have one glass of wine because he gets headaches if he has two and he wants to go to bed by nine (laughs) he's definitely the sensible choice yeah I also find that actor Nat Faxon to be pretty charming Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. he's kind of adorable he's in the new A League of Their Own reboot on Prime oh yeah even more reasons to see it yeah he's not a huge role he's in the earlier episodes but even then he still has like a really good presence in the scenes that he's in I think he's one of those working actors that I feel like 
you deserve more than just being a working actor like you deserve more attention than what you're yeah. getting <laughs> he okay he was in the short-term sitcom years ago with of all people dakota johnson called ben and kate and they were a brother and sister she was a single mom raising her daughter and so her brother ben came to be like the nanny so she could work and it was the sweetest show that was just absolutely pilloried by critics and everyone and lasted probably less than a season but that was my first exposure to nat faxon and i think i have been a fan of his ever since i love that premise though see because we don't see we don't see men doing stuff like that often and that of course the critics were just like we hate this show (laughs) like how dare we put men in a role that you know they aren't being some grotesque macho whatever like this is what I love about Lou they have all of they have all these different types of men and the only one that feels slightly icky is Adam Scott Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm And that's the point. He's supposed to be icky. Like, that's his role. But all the other guys, you're just like, oh, like, I would, like, Ron Funches, you deserve a better girlfriend. I would totally be your girlfriend. Like, come here. (laughs) Oh, she's terrible. She is terrible. And then (laughs) to be, like, just completely bold and admitting to Kim about, like, oh, um, this is just my placeholder. Like, what? No you can go by bye bye <laughs> <laughs> like we're done here um I, you're so right that is like an example of so many different ways to be a man but not the one stereotypical like sports loving hamburger guy yeah that's so clever i like it yeah i think that's one of the smarter things about the show that a lot of people a lot of the critics missed because we're not seeing like even adam scott's character even though he's a gross guy he's a gross guy because he's you know unfaithful to his wife and his attitude sucks about it but he's still like a techie nerd type um and then you have the other guys who are just like sweet and and honest and just you know big hearts like um uh, Kim Booster's character is like you know kind of self-involved and whatever but he's still like you still root for him in the end like you're still wanting to at least I did I was like girl I would totally watch you in every play let's do this <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you're so glad that um Howard shows up because mm-hmm. that was a type that was a s- time that Molly flaked yeah yeah and didn't watch his play that was hard to watch her not be there for him because yeah, she was very such hard. a mm-hmm. that's where I felt like okay I don't think Jean-Pierre's a good fit for you because he's taking you away from the commitments you've already made and that bothers me like I don't mm-hmm. care what your wealth status is as if you're going to be a friend to somebody and make statements like I will be there to support you for this and then don't show up and then don't say anything until after and I, didn't she send him like flowers or something Oh, it was that fancy pants bottle of champagne that they said they were going to drink. That's right. Like, that hurts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, what was the name of the Frenchie boyfriend? Jean-Pierre. I think Jean-Pierre was an important test for her, though, because it was like, can I still have these good feelings about myself for mm-hmm. doing good things for the world and maintain this lifestyle I've been living and this distance from the rest of the world? Uh, in my wealth bubble can I make that work and is that what I want and 
she was thankfully able to decide that she wanted to go another way, but it was good to kind of let her see that the choices she's making to be more a part of the foundation, to be more a part of these people's lives, those are the choices that she really wants to be made. Yeah. That's a good point. I guess I didn't see him that way. I just saw him as like a flashy little, I mean, <laughs> so terrible. But, you know, when they flew, was it to Canada to have lunch so they could meet halfway <laughs> or something like that? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, who does that? <laughs> Is this something rich people really do? Because I'm so curious. How do I sign up? I'm just kidding. <laughs> so like Sophia says in the final episode, is the problem the money or is the problem Molly's attitude? Well, we spent this whole first season dealing with Molly's attitude. Mm -hmm. She came to a conclusion that the money was the problem. And now it seems like season two is going to be her actually dealing with the money, which was the turn that I expected to happen at like episode two. Right. Okay. But you know, the way that the season ended though, I don't know if I should say it out loud to really spoil everything for everybody, but I would I I don't know why. But after that reveal happened, I thought, oh, of course that happened. Why wasn't I expecting that? Like that's so obvious. It made me really sad though. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. I just want her to be with Arthur. When she purchased that painting for him. Oh, so cute. I would like to have a scene in season two where she takes Arthur shopping for a new wardrobe. Makeover scene? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like a pretty woman style in the boutique. Mm -hmm. uh, try, him trying on a lot of different styles. I think that would be really funny. Yeah. And I really want Netflix in with like oversized shopping bags going into a store and going, like, <laughs> big mistake. Huge. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, I love that. If you understand the nuances and intersections of being a BIPOC woman, a woman identifying, a woman in a male-dominated industry, and all the microaggressions that come with the daily existence and how media reinforces those stereotypes, but you still love pop culture, then Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous Best Friends Club on Patreon is just for you. Join an incredible community of like-minded individuals who meet monthly to discuss a different topic in pop culture, access to bonus content, weekly lunchtime hangout sessions, and discounts on merch. To learn more about how to become a part of the Best Friends Club, visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash become a member. There's a hyphen in between become a member. Become hyphen a hyphen member. See you there. We have merch. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to purchase today. Some hoodies and t-shirts are the pop culture staples, but you don't want to miss out on our seasonal collections, whether it's specific to the show or a season. Catch those limited edition styles before they're gone. Visit popculturemakesmejealous.com slash merch to shop and use promo code SHOPPOD to receive 15% off your first order. That's S-H-O-P-P-O-D. Be sure to tag us on social wearing your swag.
We're looking for advertising partners. When you support the podcast, you're supporting a woman-owned BIPOC small business. We're looking for other small business partners who want to get in front of an audience of like-minded folks looking to smash the patriarchy and make cultural change. Email popculturemakesmejealous at gmail.com to get started. One of the quickest and easiest ways to support our show is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing our podcast on Apple Podcasts. Sharing with other users why you love this show and reasons to tune in is a simple kindness that will forever go appreciated by Team Pop Culture. It makes me jealous. I'm going to be honest, writing a review is the strongest move because when you write a review, it helps that pesky algorithm tell Apple this show is loved. Like, subscribe, and leave a review. Thanks for all your support, friend. Do you love to read? Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous hosts a monthly book club that reads books that have been adapted for the screen. We meet on the fourth Sunday of every month via Zoom. The book club is open to anyone, but Patreon pals can vote on our monthly read and have access to our replay. To sign up, hit the link in the show notes. So I know this is like kind of unfair to all the other characters on the show to reserve this back end of the um, episode about them. But who was your ultimate end of the day? I know, Katie, you said you loved um, Howard and like that duo, but who favorite character and why? I was going to say Howard and Nicholas, Mm -hmm. but since we already talked about them, um, I'm going to say the head of the foundation. Oh, yeah. So is it Sophia? Sophia, right? Sophia because she was really the the grounding person who just like cuts off all the fun there's always somebody like that in the office he's like back to work if you got time to lean you got time to clean and like we've all worked with some like someone who just like spoils any good time that anyone's having and that was her role and I could totally like that's like you need a character like that in the workplace drama for, or yeah. in the workplace comedy for sure yeah and they did a really good job of humanizing her throughout the season like that may have been her angle at first that she was the stick in the mud mm-hmm. but it became clear pretty early on that she was really passionate about their mission and she was just yeah. focused on trying to do good I hate to keep bringing up the season finale but clearly it really stuck with me she had an awesome moment with an uber driver yeah uh, in the season finale where she just shut him down and Mm -hmm. said I am not willing to put up with people who behave this way and I want better for myself and I want better for the people of the city and yeah it was pretty amazing yeah Yeah. she's no fun but she is very principled she's there to to save the, the world yeah I really loved how they also gave us like a tiny little bit about her personal life when like those guys show up and like they're fighting in Spanish and then another one like somebody else is sending flowers and you're just like well what are you like in your personal life I am so curious because I don't know about you ladies but I am so here for men fighting over my love and affection <laughs> like one it of my is- favorite tropes in romantic comedies <laughs> It is, I will say, it does give me a little bit of the angry feeling similar to the Leslie Nope character from mm-hmm. Parks and Rec, where we're mm-hmm. supposed to respect her as we respect Sophia so much for their drive and their 
nonstop commitment in this, the face of this seemingly Sisyphean task. And I, I wish it gave us a little more room to reflect on the fact that these are honestly very unrealistic expectations we have for Sophia. Yeah, for sure. Who was your favorite, Julia? Oh my gosh, that's really hard. You know what? I really did love, like, like everybody else, the Nick and Howard relationship. I thought they were great. Um, but I also kind of loved a lot um how we got so much more about um Arthur's life. I think he was, I think actually he is my absolute favorite on the show because he's just so golly gee, but he's not super naive you know because sometimes Mm -hmm. those characters can be really naive but he's you know very like when he when he asks when she asks him to look over her portfolio and he's just very practical about it and he's like these are some things that are questionable and the things that are questionable are like okay yeah we can all agree that that stuff's probably questionable for her to be a part of um and just how honest he is about his daughter and how sweet he is with his daughter and you know that I don't I don't have a teenage daughter that tween stuff I could imagine that I was probably not a peach um and so you know watching him sort of navigate that but not be portrayed in a way again where you're just like oh he's a bumbling dad who doesn't know what to do with his kid like he genuinely cares he genuinely tries and then when they fly him in with the helicopter to pick her up and it's just like I'm gonna be like the coolest dad ever like he's just so He's just kind of like what I feel like every man should be sweet and solid and stable and just, you know, like, you know, he's going to be there for you. And then when he started dating, um, I forget the gal's name and how cute he was. I was just like, oh my gosh, you're so, you're my favorite. Like if I'm going to pick one single character, you're my favorite. Yeah. Um, I do think some of the background characters, you know, were like the two gals that we didn't get a lot of (laughs) Ainsley and is it Rhonda is it Rhonda I can't recall um I just thought that they were also kind of hilarious and not necessarily needed to be stronger like bigger roles like I felt like their roles were perfectly placed Mm -hmm. I think too those are also very classic workplace comedy roles like if you think of like a Brooklyn Nine-Nine where they have those two older like bumbling cops on the side doing the whole Sattler and Waldorf thing or Mm -hmm. like in the office with I was not a huge American office watcher but like the woman with red hair um oh Meredith yeah those like Mm -hmm. side characters that are just there for a little a little sprinkle of character from now every now and then yes thank you for interpreting my uh, yeah. hand gesture <laughs> famously visible to our podcast listeners. Yeah. <laughs> you you were right Ainsley and Rhonda Rhonda cracked me up she was like she's like the you know I know she's supposed to be the older woman in the office but she didn't look that old to me but still like with her little quips and stuff it's like oh we all need you, Rhonda. 
this woman was made to enjoy Molly's wealth and I can't wait to see more of it yes oh <laughs> when they flew to the what was it the spa and she's just like I am here for this like, <laughs> is this how I want to live in my 60s just living out my best life through somebody else like I'll be I'll be I'll be your ride along I'll be your entourage I don't know we all just need to find billionaire VFFs <laughs> <laughs> right Mackenzie Scott please no I'm just kidding I do love what she's doing though with just being like here's the money do what you know you need to do with it Um, it's so cool like every I don't know couple months there's a headline in our local paper about how she's just chosen like a community college or uh after school program or just these little nonprofits that Mm -hmm. they know exactly what they can use the money for it's just like like a guaranteed income type of program with no strings attached where you don't have to tell people exactly what type of food to buy with Mm -hmm. the um, subsidy they get. So yeah, I love her. Yeah. But again, she's obviously making these choices with the help of a team of informed people. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Molly Wells would have in this instance. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I thought it was interesting too, the way they opened it with like, you know, all these programs woke up to receiving, I don't know how much money it was that they donated. And there was such a surprise and because I feel like that's how we all learned Mackenzie Scott started giving away money. Like one day I turned on the news and it was like, all of these people learned that they are getting a donation and they're so surprised. And I was like, get it. Like, yeah, do that. Because when you're working in the community and that's one of the things that I loved about um, Sophia is like, she like we got the sense of like maybe she came from a background that wasn't privileged at all like maybe her parents did struggle because I don't remember details about her life but she was very clear on her mission like we mentioned earlier um and so for her to be like embodying that passion and then supporting Molly's like decisions to continue but then also being like girl you need to like rein it in you can't just that's a little out of touch but I appreciate that when people recognize like oh you're the boots on the ground you know how you need to function to survive to make this problem quote go away or whatever you don't have to call it a problem the issue better or go away like we're just going to leave it up to you and give us a report so we know that you know our money is actually going to good work that I think is we could all learn I feel like we could do so much better if that was the mentality Mm -hmm. rather than you need to follow these markers and if you're not hitting these numbers we have a problem and it's just like you can't help people when they're not ready to be helped (laughs) Mm -hmm. but the people who are ready to be helped need help so like we got to figure out the balance and I feel like it'll be interesting to see in five years what the results are from all of the early donations that Mackenzie Scott has given Mm -hmm. any last thoughts on this show I want season two already. I'm yeah. <laughs> um, I have two last thoughts. One, I loved the wardrobe. Yes. That Molly wore. Like, so fun to watch because she is, that character loves color. She loves ruffles. She <laughs> never wears anything boring and it all looks really, really good on her. And that's really fun. Um, and also her hair always looks great. Mm-hmm. Um. And then my other last thought is, do you think that Melinda Gates and Mackenzie Scott ever watch this and like 
text each other about how uh representation of billionaire women isn't very good in Hollywood. That's a great question. I would love to be a fly on that wall. I hope so. I, I hope so. <laughs> oh, there's another there's another show idea. No, I'm just kidding. But I was like, if I ever got the chance to um interview, like that's what I want to see in the next interview of uh, Melinda Gates or um Mackenzie Scott. I need somebody to ask them that question. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you think about loot? Yeah. <laughs> That's for when they guest on the hot wind show. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The fashion was fabulous on the show, but I just associate Maya Rudolph with like great clothes. <laughs> Always. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that she's been able to maintain a career and not be like piping thin. Like that's she's I feel like the embodiment of like you can be a funny woman you can still have a successful career and you don't have to be like I'm 100 pounds <laughs> yeah doesn't she have like four kids or four something? kids yeah. yeah she's a she looks like I mean she's gorgeous but she looks like she's over 40 yeah <laughs> which I appreciate yeah I mean, yeah what do you want to see in season two obviously molly and arthur together <laughs> happily crying at the sight of beautiful sparrows yeah. <laughs> and i want to see the adam scott character um encounter some kind of a hardship mm-hmm. like maybe his young girlfriend leaves him or maybe his company doesn't do so well something do you think they should pick up exactly where they left off Mm, that's a good question because you remember they like jump forward and she's like dating him because remember in the old days when shows would like end in may and then they'd start in september and everyone's in september we all start in the world at the same time but now it's like like i don't know if you guys watched younger but every season ended and then picked up exactly where it left off so even though it was like a year and a half in younger's world it was seven seasons in our world so it was easy to forget like oh no that probably just happened six months ago in their land but for us it happened four seasons ago so it'd be you know so i'm curious if they would like try to like work out that scene that's a good question on timing i mean they can do whatever they want creatively i guess i want to see some sort of imagined facebook style comeuppance for adam scott's character because you know we're not getting much facebook comeuppance in real life but (laughs) there's more talk about it now than there once was so why not enact our fantasies and have him deal with some like antitrust lawsuit or oh i love that idea oh and then i want to see bottle episode with nicholas and howard on a road trip together yeah that'd be really fun oh cancel all my thoughts i only want that yeah. <laughs> oh i just love them they're so i just oh, they make they like you said earlier katie they really do make the show The Hollywood Reporter said, There's a lot to enjoy about Loot, starting with its timely narrative and solid showcase for some of Maya Rudolph's myriad of skills. 
At the same time, it's very much a show you'll keep watching more for its potential than its immediate execution. Which I don't know if I agree fully with that. I do think there's a lot of potential for the show. Um, and I hope it does come back for a second season. Apple Plus doesn't seem to cancel things after the first season. They seem they they tend to, or at least in the shows that I've seen, they've brought a lot of them back for a second season. They were so confident in using this season as like a building towards that finale. Mm-hmm. I almost feel like they had to know that they had a second season already. Yeah. 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 I sure hope so. Anything with Maya Rudolph, Katie and I can start, or Deborah and I can start a club. <laughs> can I be secretary? Yes. <laughs> I just love Maya Rudolph so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and it'll be interesting. Oh, I did. I should. I'm gonna add for season two. It'll be interesting because she's mixed. So it'll be interesting if they bring that into the mix because we saw, you know, Ron Funches is her cousin, and we saw that side of the family we don't know if it's the dad side the mom side doesn't that's not been identified which i kind of love but it'll be interesting if they do more family stuff if they if they write her characters being mixed or if they keep her character solely a black woman i'll be curious to see if that's something that shows up yeah that's a good point i would like to know more about her like childhood Mm -hmm. yeah yeah or even like early days of her and um what's his face dating yeah and their college years Mm -hmm. totally before they knew they were going to be billionaires Mm -hmm. yeah and like molly's early days of competence before she became bubblehead yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah like what were her hopes and dreams like what was she what did she want to do before her husband's career took off like yeah i'll be curious Katie, Deborah, thank you so much for joining me today to discuss loot. Can you tell our friends at home where they can find you if they want to keep up with you? Again, we, of course, did not discuss who is going to do this, but I got it this time, Deborah. <laughs> if you want me to do it. <laughs> it's My Screen Time 2 is available wherever you get your podcasts or on our website, myscreentime2.com. You can find us at My Screen Time 2 on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or you can always reach out to us via email at myscreentime2 at gmail.com. Nice. And it's a great show, friends. You should tune in. I've been on a couple times, and it's just a lot of fun because there are some things after listening to your show where I'm just like, I'm cool. I'm going to avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is our what we aim to do. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saving me time. Saving everyone time. <laughs> well thanks so much for having us back again i really am looking forward to your season pop culture makes me jealous is written edited and produced by me julia washington and i am fueled by the incredible support system of women who allow me to run ideas cry melt down whenever i feel overwhelmed i also want to do a big shout out to our patreon community thank you for your continued support it brings me great joy to bring you quality content and monthly get-togethers Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Until next time.